Uh, yes. Uh, well, hello there. <laughs> and yes, and and uh, I'm staying at Danny's place, and there's a windmill outside, and it grunts all night. <laughs> I thought, what is that? Is that an animal? He says, no, it's our windmill. I think, well, can't you stop it? He says, we wouldn't have any water pressure if we stopped it. Well, who wants to drink at night? But anyway. <laughs> so I just, I happen to have a little Walkman. I take to bed with me, and, and I just go to Salem Radio Broadcasting, and I stick that in there, and I can hear, I can hear uh, uh, Stanley and Jeremiah and... Uh, uh, Swindoll and all these people, uh, they're on night and day, if you, you didn't know that. I talked to Adrian Rogers one time, a dear friend of mine. He said, Waylam, I'm on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, somewhere around the world. And he said, you told me I needed to be on the radio. I want to thank you. I was in England, and I wasn't sleeping, so I turned on my shortwave, little shortwave I carry with me when I'm overseas, and I heard Adrian on the radio. So I told him at a convention about that. And he patted me on the shoulder and, and pushed me around and said, you're, you're responsible for that. Anyway, Tozier was my pastor when I was in Chicago. I lived on the south side there. And so and what man he could talk about the person of Godhead like no one I've ever heard. And so I read a, a lot of Tozer's material material and heard a number of sermons. Here's what Tozer said. What is the cross? Quote, that extra adversity that comes to us as a result of our obedience to Christ. That's a good one. Good one. I made it a little longer. Those pressures, trials, and agonies that come to us as a result of choosing identification with Christ, doing his daily will, and with each choice is closely linked the temptation to quit for a worldly substitute to quit taking the cross. When Jesus said he was to die, Peter said, not so, Lord, in Matthew 11, 21, 27. And Jesus rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You don't savor the things which be of God. The cross was God's plan from the beginning. It's hard to think of it. But and we know it says he picked us out before he made the foundation of the world that we should be holy and well blamed before him in love. He was as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world, the scriptures say. Now, I think of one of my deacons. We didn't always get along, but we loved each other. And my last pastorate, which I had for 13 years, he was on the pulpit committee. And without his say-so, I wouldn't have been there. And Rapley, still alive, a wonderful man of God, Rapley was a bold witness for Jesus Christ. And he worked for a large electrical company. And they had a 30-minute break each day where you could have coffee, Coke, eat some sandwiches. Some, some people bought cookies and they shared them and so forth. And so... He would sit at the table, and whoever sat by him, he would witness about Jesus Christ to them. And so his boss came up to him and said, you can't talk about Jesus Christ. He said, wait a minute, this is a, this is a legal union break period. I can tell you people by me are talking about sex, 
People are talking about thieves. People are talking about getting something over on the boss. People are talking about filthy things. They're telling dirty jokes, and I can't say something about Jesus. They said, no, you can't. If you keep that up, we'll find a way to get rid of you. He kept it up. They fired him for something he didn't do. That was his cross. He deliberately chose to take up the will of God for his life. I'm going to give you a verse where I think the best verse defining the cross from 1 Peter. I'm going to give that to you in just a minute because I've looked all over to find what is this this cross? What, what can I, well, how do we get a hold of it? We, we know it deals with the will of God, but I just thought of this deacon of mine and he decided he was going to take what he understood as the will of God and he didn't throw it down. And, and it cost him his job. But you see, I knew God was calling him to preach. <laughs> he had so much to say about mine, I knew he was calling, being called to preach. <laughs> and so, uh, and so, uh, so anyway, uh, <clears throat> I finally, when he got fired, he told me he'd been fired. I said, Rap, uh, we were in the Navy at the same time, uh, at the same base, but didn't know each other. Uh, he said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, I think you need find a little mission church somewhere, get some pastor that will let you uh, preach when he's gone. He said, I don't know how to preach. I said, you sure know how to talk, though. If you can talk you can, and you love the word as you do, you'll be able to preach it. And, and I said, I, come here, I'll I, I just share with you a few little things. If you'll memorize two verses of Scripture a, uh, a week, that's a hundred in a year. In ten years, you got a thousand. Simple. And then, and then you, while you're preaching, these verses just pop out. And, and, and if, you have, if you have two or three hundred verses, they strike into a message and, and, and they strengthen the message that you're doing. And my sermon time was cut at least 50% because any subject I, I touched, I had 30, maybe 40 scriptures that I'd memorized from all over the Bible on that particular theme, and they just popped out in my messages. And it's just the way that the Lord led me to do it. <clears throat> so, so now I want to talk about the attitudes of the cross, and we'll begin first with, is there any verse that kind of defines the cross? 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2 is the best verse that I have found <clears throat> to tell about that. And it's, uh, <clears throat> remember the cross is something that you take up and you can drop. Uh, And Jesus says, unless you take up the cross, you're not my disciple. You might be my convert, but you're not my disciple. <coughs> so there are people, <coughs> there are people in the church that are baby converts. They could be 60 years old, they're baby converts. They could be 15 years old and, and have some real maturity in them. I know... My son and daughter, by the time they were 10, had won neighborhood kids to Christ. If they're old enough to be saved, they're old enough to witness and win someone else to Christ. That's logical. Now, can they do it like an adult? Of course not. But I equipped them with <coughs> flannel graph and things they could put up and, 
And we used the wordless book, and they learned how to witness, and, and they wanted to. I was witnessing to their parents of the neighborhood kids, so it was logical they wanted to witness to the kids that they played with. <coughs> like in second, uh, 1 Peter 4, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. <coughs> what mind was that? The mind that he had on the cross, the mind that he had <coughs> as he followed the will of God. <coughs> For he that has suffered in the flesh <coughs> has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. The cross is the will of God that we take up in our daily life. And the attitude of the cross is, here's what Tozer says about that. What does it mean to be crucified? One crucified first has no plans of his own. Secondly, he's facing in only one direction. And third, he's not coming down. What does it mean to be crucified? If you're crucified, you have no plans of your own. You're facing the direction you've been crucified. And you aren't coming down. A person who's identified with Christ, and so if I could put it simply, the cross is taking up the will of God for our life each day. And what happens to us as we track through that day is God's will for us. I had an accident a year ago. Broke my collar. I've got a little mountain hanging up here where uh, I, the, the strap that held my body popped the cartilage in here permanently. And I thought, I've come out of that supermarket 200 times and I saw the lady a block away and suddenly when I turned... There she was, and I hit her. They've just settled the lawsuit, which is very, very nice, and told me about it, and I was very happy to hear about that. Uh, my insurance company took care of it and everything like that. But uh, that we should no longer live the rest of our time in the flesh to the lust of men, but for to the will of God. Uh, and there's an attitude that a person has who has taken up the cross. Whatever happens, God has allowed it. I'm in his hands. He loves me. He cares for me. He, there's things that I need to learn from things. I guarantee you, I, I drive slower, and I can still, still hear that accident sound. And I get in the car, and I pray, God, let me see everything. Protect this dumb old guy here, you know. And I talk like this, but I feel like this sometimes, you know. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> now, so here we go. Um, a person <coughs> who is crucified <coughs> is heavenly focused. That doesn't mean that we're thinking of dying all the time. It means we know, as the song goes, this world is not my home. I'm just a traveling through. 
1 Peter 2.11. As strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshy lusts which war against the soul. We're strangers and pilgrims. We're just passing through this place. <clears throat> just for a few years and, and we've got eternity with our Savior. And uh, Paul uh, says, uh, For our light affliction, which is but for the moment, worketh for us an exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. The things which are seen are temporary. The things which we can't see, those are the eternal things. <clears throat> so we have a, we're heavenly focused. We're goal-oriented. <clears throat> Listen to Jesus on earth. I gave some of these verses previously. John 4, 34 and 35. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. A person that's taking up the cross, the will of God for their lives, wants to do the will of God, and he's got work to do for Jesus every day. John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. I have been sent into planet earth to serve Jesus and take up my cross daily. John 17, 4, Jesus says, I've glorified thee. I've finished the work you gave me to do. Oh, I want to complete the work that God has for me to do. I'm afraid I'm going to get to heaven. The Lord said, I had this for you and this for you and this for you and this for you, and you never even touched it. I believe we're going to shed tears in heaven before he wipes them away. And the tears come when we see the prayers he wanted us to answer, but we never prayed the prayer. Are you aware that God has prayers for you to pray and believe him for that will change your world? <clears throat> but you're not praying them. I'm not praying them. I'm not listening enough to let the Spirit lead me in prayer. I'm through praying before I really get to praying. If you, do you know what I mean? Sometimes we get to praying, really get to praying. And sometimes, well, I'm in a hurry. And we really don't meet God. We just kind of pass him in the, in the shadows. <clears throat> so then he, Jesus says in Galatians 6:14, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And, uh, it, and it, the word joy is a part of the life of the Christian that is taking up the cross. Are you aware that joy is a characteristic in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? One of my very favorite verses is Hebrews 1.9. When I discovered that, I, went, I was high for two weeks. <clears throat> Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee. Now this is a verse from the Old Testament about the Messiah. <clears throat> Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Yes, we know that the Messiah loves the good and hates the bad. Loves righteousness, hates iniquity. Then he goes on to say, Therefore God, even thy God, <clears throat> hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Jesus was the most joyous man who ever lived. That's how he attracted those disciples. He didn't go around with his arms folding saying, Let us pray. He never modeled the sour face of a discouraged martyr. His joy was epidemic. He was full of joy. He had laughter. I can hardly wait to hear him laugh. He had laughter. <clears throat> he was fun to be with. 
of miserable to be with. No, you, that, that kind of person can't draw anybody. Flies maybe, but nothing else. <clears throat> uh, and so, listen, it says that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness. Now, let me take a little further. This is in one of the chapters of my book, Living God's Word, that many of you have ordered. Uh, who gets anointed in the Bible? Prophets, priests, and kings. Jesus was all three. And if this verse is talking about the Messiah. It says the Messiah was anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows, above anyone else. He was anointed with the oil of gladness. Now, how do you anoint a prophet, priest, or king? <clears throat> they take uh, a, a cruise, a, a jar, a, a container of olive oil, and they pour it on the head of the one being anointed. If it's a large amount of oil, it streams down the hair, down the shoulders, zips down the tunic, or whatever they're wearing, all the way down to the toes. And you'll have a puddle underneath them if it's enough oil. His anointing is our anointing. He is the head. The church is his body. His anointing is your anointing. Anointing of joy. Joy is the personality he wants to give you. Do we have problems? Yes. Do we have discouragements? Yes. Uh, do we have tragedies? Yes. But joy, Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength, the Father. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. And Hebrews 1.9, he's anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows. That means I'm just a toenail for the Lord. I'm not a finger or a big toe or anything, but I'm a toenail. But that toenail got oil on it, see? And so I should be able to rejoice. I've been, I've been dipped. I've been covered with the oil that Jesus had in his anointing. <clears throat> the church should be the most joyous, exciting place of praise and blessing and answer to prayer and lifting of people and rejoicing and laughing. That's what the church should be. Uh, not, well, I'm glad we're by the cemetery. We're almost ready to go there. <laughs> it's right close there. My great-grandmother's buried there. I hardly wait. No, no, you don't want to. We don't do that. No. They never were there, by the way. Remember, they were never there. Your loved one, instantly in the presence of Jesus. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's his promise. And it's true. It's true. Now, so we have the attitude of joy. Someone who's taken up the cross is not sick, sore, sour, and sunk. You're supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Uh, I like that one because I like Mary Poppins, you know. <clears throat> okay, so joy is a part of our nature. And I give you the three verses from the Godhead. What's another attitude? These are attitudes that we develop and that we claim from God, the personality of Jesus Christ. One of these is waiting on God. This is a cross issue. Am I going to gripe, groan, yap, bleed, and whine because I have to wait for this and wait for that and wait for this? 
or am I going to take up the cross, the instrument of death to self? There is a passage in 2 Corinthians that I I've just about memorized, but I want to share this with you. Paul says in 2 Corinthians verse 7, my translation, but we have this treasure in peanut butter jars, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We have the, this treasure in earthen vessels. Well, what's the value of peanut butter jar? The plastic, no value at all. It's what's inside it that makes a kid happy with a little jelly thrown in for a sandwich or something. We have this treasure in earthen vessel that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're troubled on every side, but we're not distressed. Oh, you mean you've taken up that cross, Paul? We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. Boy, you got that cross, Paul. You're persecuted. Oh, boy, you really got the cross, but not forsaken. Beaten and beaten and beaten and whipped and put in prison and, and in the ocean, surrounded by the sharks, they didn't dare bite him. Uh, cast down but not destroyed. Always, listen, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life also of Jesus might be revealed in our mortal flesh. And then he gives you the key. When I die, others around me live. When I'm taking up the cross, a people around me live. When I throw the cross down, I'm tired of following Jesus and going through all of this. He, he's, he's dead anyway. He's got to be, he's not even around. He just comes on Sunday to some holy people. He, I, haven't, I haven't seen him in a long time. We throw that cross down. But Paul writes, we which live are always delivered unto death <clears throat> for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be modeled in our mortal flesh. We are visible expressions of Christ on earth to others. So then death works in us, but life works in you. We have the same spirit of faith According as it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and present us with you. For all things are for your sake, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, abound to the glory of God. And then he says in verse 17, But our light affliction, which is but for a moment, Worketh for us an exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. The things which are seen are temporary. The things which are unseen are eternal. We have an attitude here of, of waiting on God. And I've memorized a bunch of verses on that because I don't like to wait for light. I don't like to wait for anything. Psalm 62, 5, my soul Wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. I told some of you that the deacons were going to vote to give me a raise or not, and they discussed it, and I'm listening to them and praying. And one said, I don't think we can afford to give the pastor a raise. So uh, I moved that we ignore the, the uh, 
personnel committee's recommendation and, and go on with the, the meeting. I second it, all in favor, aye. And one deacon said, well, you know, we considered the budget again in June. <laughs> Maybe you can get a raise then. I said, are you kidding? People take God's tithe and they go on vacation in June, July, and August. Uh, <laughs> you, no one gives extra money and no one writes checks and mails them. Uh, no, they're in Maine somewhere or, or New Hampshire or, or they're out up at the mountains in North Carolina. And the church is crying out to God for, to play the electrical bill because some people are still coming to church and the air conditioning is, is on, you know. Anyway, uh, so I told my wife that I didn't get the raise, and she began to cry. And I hit the wall with my fist, and I broke through the plaster. Oop, I can't tell the deacon I have a wall in the part portion that has a hole in it. I'm going to have to clean, fix that thing up with putty myself. <coughs> and my wife still cried. She said, we won't get a raise for a year. Over a year. This was a December decision. For a whole year we won't get a raise. I said, I, I've memorized two or three verses. I've got I've to start applying them. So I quoted Psalm uh, 62.5, and then I quote, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah uh, 40.31 and other verses like that. <coughs> and I said, The Lord is our supply. When did the deacons become our supply? When I made them. If the Lord's going to be my supply, I, I pass every committee and I just go to the boss. And the boss does what pleases. You know, I stopped pastoring because God would call me to a ministry in 1977. And it's been since 1977 that I haven't had a salary. And the Lord has met my needs. And the needs of my family and three children all along. And, uh, and that's, his, that's the way he works things. Uh, so we got in the Christmas mail a card, and in the card was a check for $1,000, the amount of money they turned down me for a raise. Only, see, I would have gotten $88 a month for 12 months. That's not much that a wife can spend on, 88 extra dollars a month. But she, she laughed and grabbed the check and said, sign it, honey, I'm... Uh, uh, that means I've got in my hand, I've got a whole year's raise in one check. Whee! And we praise the Lord for that one. So, one of the things in attitude is waiting on God. Instead of griping about it, the Lord's our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why am I doing wanting? Because I'm human and fleshy, that's why. And I'm not thinking of taking up the cross. And when I think, Lord, I don't want to let this cross slip out of me. I want to, I want to walk with that cross. That's a safe place to walk. Waiting on God. I think another thing is 1 Peter 2.23, not defending oneself. I was called to a meeting where a bunch of guys were vote, going to vote that I'd, that I'd be asked to resign. The church had met its budget for the first time in 10 years. 
we were baptizing over 100 people a year. Every nursery was full, and we were taking some class spaces and turning them into nurseries. We had so many young couples coming. People were getting saved in every service. People were absolutely high for Jesus. It was wonderful. And this group of nuts said, we don't like this stuff. We don't like this, what's going on here. Uh, let's, let's fire them, fire him. And they discussed it and so forth. And a deacon that rarely ever spoke stood up and he said, I don't believe I've heard a single prayer. And we've been talking 40 minutes about barbecuing the pastor. I would suggest we all get on our knees. And then when the Lord leads us, open our mouths. Otherwise, keep them closed. And let's wait on the Lord. He had never spoken before in a meeting. And everyone got on their knees. I'd spent four hours in prayer before I came to the meeting. And I'd given, oh my, if the Lord, Asa said, it's nothing with thee to help, Lord, whether with many or them that have no power. Help us, O Lord, for in thy name we go against this multitude. Let not man prevail against thee. I jumped into God's arms. I said, if, if, you're, going to, if you're going to get tackled by those guys at that meeting, I'm willing to go down with you. But I'm hanging on to your neck, Lord. They begin to pray, and the Spirit of God began to work. And about 20 minutes later, someone stood up and said, I think the Lord has spoken to us. I vote we affirm the pastor. All in favor, raise their hand. All opposed, raise their hand. And the three who raised their hand left the church, including the chairman of deacons, whom I said, you're no longer chairman, you realize that. Uh, you, you're not leading anybody anymore. And so they elected a new chairman, and I only stayed 10 years longer. <laughs> Through the grace of God. The Lord, I, I took up my cross, and I wasn't going to let go. Will you grab a cross? First Peter, uh, not defending yourself, First Peter 2.23. Let me just give you that as we close. First Peter uh, 2.23. Who, when Jesus was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. We are sheep going astray. But we've returned to the shepherd and bishop of our souls. Wow. We've returned to the Lord. All right. Uh, how do you get this kind of commitment? Well, you build it in yourself and you build it in your children. When you stop griping, your kids will wonder what happened. When you stop yelling, they'll really wonder what happened. Will you take up your cross now? You can't glue it to you. You have to choose each day to take up the will of God for your life. And whatever happens, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to you. You, had, you didn't move when this happened. And I'm holding on to you, Lord, and I want to thank you for it.
so let's go to him in prayer. Father, thank you for your great grace in our lives. Who are we? What are we that we should offer to thee so willingly? For of thine own would we give thee. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might. In thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. And we're in your nail-pierced hands. And we take up this symbol of ignominy and shame and filth and horror. And we take up the cross because it symbolizes your sacrifice for us. You gave your all that we might receive your all in taking up our cross. Thank you for it. And I pray that each one here, before they sleep tonight, will give themselves to the living Savior and in the morning take up the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.